Chapter 14 Alpin wrestled within his soul. The decision in Renton's hall three nights prior provided no escape from his doubts. Standing high on the ridgeline and looking over his homeland only seemed to make the decision more difficult to live out. Taking the Scots to battle would be hell. Alpin had ridden up the steep rocky ridge alone, a single man on a single horse. Here he had hoped the seclusion and silence of solitude would clear his mind of concern and worry, worry for his family and the people of Renton and Dalriada. The sunlight, at times able to revive the sullen heart, was locked behind the lowering clouds. Without its warm rejuvenation, Alpin was left alone under the grey sky to fight the troubles that vexed his soul. From below, the quiet solitude of the ridge had promised relief, a place to sit and consider. But now, as he stood high on the ridge overlooking the vista, the thatched rooftops dotting the hills below seemed to cry out to him. The small homes of Renton sat like fragile hearts begging for peace and protection, hearts that cried for an escape from a coming darkness, hearts that hoped for a great good to arise and keep them from evil. But he was no savior, no hero. How could it be, that his people would place their hope in him, that he would now be the protector of their promised land? Years ago, with the passion and strength of youth, he would have taken hold of such a mantle and charged forward to slay the enemy. He would have delighted in the justice of burying his sword into the hearts of the hateful ones, knowing such deeds were noble. Yet now, he was a different man. Though his spirit despised injustice and his passion burned to live amid a people free from tyranny, his soul carried a hole, an emptiness that would never be refilled. How could he, a man who was unable to protect the life of his own son, protect the lives of a thousand sons? Life's madness twisted inside him. And all the while, the frail dwellings below pleaded to him, haunting him, fueling guilt and doubt in his heart. Alpin knew he had things to fight for, precious things. He hoped that someday, in a better time and place, he could face himself again and be proud of the deeds he'd done, proud of what he'd given. In a week's time, the men of Dalriada would gather. Renton would be overflowing with zealous men, anxious to defend their homeland. They would look to a leader to carry them forward, a leader who could take the hearts of a myriad of men and make them one. Yet Alpin doubted himself. Thoughts of losing Droston at eight at him. The loss had cracked and scarred the once sturdy man. For the sake of his son, and those willing to give as Droston gave, Alpin realized he must dispel the doubt that whispered to him and find the courage to lead as the men needed him to lead. The people needed a leader, and maybe needed a king. A king could unite them. A king could speak into the hearts of the uncertain and unsure and open their eyes to a greater cause beyond themselves, a transcendent cause that was not bound to the mundane, the simple, or the insignificant. A king could lift their spirits and meld them as one. A king could take the passion and zeal of a multitude of men and harness them, focusing them with a single spirit that fought for the good of the many. Alpin knew the merit of giving the men a king, but it was not a mantle he was willing to embrace. He was born a free man, he would die a free man, and he would not subject any man to the bondage of fealty or the debt of servitude. Yet could he banish fear and instill courage in the Scots without being their king? Alpin sat down on a large jagged rock anchored in the earth. He gazed at the small thatched roofs below. He did not fear living and dying, rather it was other fears that plagued his heart. He feared that he again may lose those things dear to him in the days to come, that he would lose men and boys. And he feared the awful fear, the fear of losing another son. The horror tormented him. Foolishly, he gave his fears a foothold to take root. Alpin was a fool for ruminating on his fears, for fear does not fight alone.
fear invites its two mistresses, guilt and doubt, when it stalks its prey. Together, these two fuel the misery of a man's soul. They are perverse in their ways. Guilt haunts a man with failures of the past, taunting him in shame. Doubt, on the other hand, assures a man he is doomed to fail again in times ahead, testing every thought and questioning every motive, obliging a man to defend himself or perish. They are the bewitching enemies of every man. These pernicious foes toyed with Alpin's heart. He could do little to resist as his eyes closed and he was carried away into a dream. In the dream, Alpin sat beside a well, holding a small stone in his hand. The stone was like a pearl, white, smooth, and round. As he sat, two shadowy figures came to him and lifted him to his feet. Standing at his side, one figure beckoned him to peer into the well. The circular stone well led down to a deep, dark blackness that seemed to stir as he gazed inside. As Alpin stared down into the darkness, the second figure stole his stone and cast it into the well, laughing as he released the gem. Alpin lunged forward, grasping for his jewel, yet it passed out of reach and dropped into the black water below. Alpin gaped into the blackness of the well, hoping to glimpse the white stone beneath the rippling water. He saw only his reflection, a reflection of himself as a younger man. Alpin grew mesmerized. As the waters settled, the face gazing back at him was the face of Drosten. He was staring up at his father through the water. Alpin's soul crumpled. Nausea wrenched his stomach and sorrow gripped his heart. Memories of Drosten flooded over him, the touch of his skin, the sound of his voice, the smell of his hair, all torn from him. A tear dripped from Alpin's eye and fell into the well, rippling the water below and chasing away the sweet, sad reflection. I'm sorry, son, he whispered. Alpin woke from his dream. The laughing voices of the shadowy figures echoed in his ears. A fury inside of him burst out in rage. He yelled and hurled his fists into the air like a blind madman groping for his foes. Yet the figures had vanished, along with the water and the well. Only the memory of Drosten remained. Alpin struggled to regain his senses. He rose to his feet. The moist breeze felt real upon his skin. He was alive and clarity struck him, pushing aside his vexation and pumping new life into his heart. He stepped to the edge of the ridge and looked down over the small village below. He thought of his family. He thought of his people. He would fight for them. Father, a voice from behind him spoke. Mother thought you'd be here. The voice was familiar. Alpin rubbed his whiskery face and turned toward his son. Chorich. Father, are you well? Chorich asked, holding the lead of his horse and studying his father, puzzled. Yes. I'm all right? The two stood silent, gazing at one another. Is something the matter, father? Alpin peered at the ground and then up at Chorich. He stared intently at his son and saw strength in the young man. Son, I suppose every man has his demons. Far too long, I have tended to mine, but no longer, he said, finally realizing what he was fighting for, something beyond himself, something bigger than himself. Chorich gazed at him and nodded. After pausing a moment, he spoke, Father, is this where you came before A? It is, Alpin acknowledged. Every man needs a place to sit and measure himself, to weigh matters, to clear the mind. Chorich released the lead of his horse and stepped to the edge of the ridge. He looked out over the small homes dotting the countryside of Renton. 
you can see so much from here. And still, there's much you can't see, Alpin replied. Things you can't see? Chorich asked, perplexed. Those things that lie ahead, the unexpected trials of life. But know this, it's not the trials that define a man, rather it's how a man faces his trials. Alpin gazed at his son, studying him. Chorich, the days ahead will surely bring many trials, possibly the greatest you'll ever face. No matter what happens to me, or to your brothers, never forget who you are. I will always be your son, father, in life or death. I learned that from you. I learned it from Drosten. Indeed, you are my son, as is Drosten. And you are a fine son, and a good husband, and one day you will be a great father. In all these things, you are a son of Dalriada, always remember that. And as such, you must always remember that you are a free man. It is your birthright, it is every man's birthright, let no man speak otherwise nor take it from you. Cherish this, Chorich, guard and treasure it. Chorich stared at his father, listening to his words. Slowly, his gaze turned, and he gaped over the open expanse and spoke to himself, as much as to his father, you've always said freedom comes at a price, I suppose all things worth treasuring do. A gentle wind blew against Chorich's cheeks while his gaze remained on Renton. In a matter of days, we will leave for battle, Alpin said. Hold tight to all that is worth treasuring in this life and the next, and when you fight, fight with all the fury of heaven and hell, for in many ways these are the very things at stake. Chorich turned to face his father, yes, father, I will, he promised.